Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And I'm going to introduce you to a first-time guest here, Karen Reese, gifted since birth. Karen knew that she had a special gift when she started receiving psychic predictions and messages from spirit. When she finally accepted this gift as who she was, she decided that her purpose in the world is much larger than herself. Her calling is to heal others through the gift that she has been given. As both a medium and a psychic, Karen Reese has been featured on the network such as TLC, Discovery, Lifetime, The CW, FYI, Travel Channel, and A&E. In addition, she has worked with industry leaders such as psychic mediums, and all of these folks have been on our program, James Van Prague, Nick Redfern, Joshua P. Warren, Ruben Udiate. Karen has also appeared on many other programs in print, radio, and here she is, first time on Coast to Coast. Karen, what took you so long? Oh, my God. Good question. I don't know, but thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, tell me about this episode when you were a little girl, how this all started for you. Well, you know, it's so funny because as a kid, um, I've always seen dead people, and it didn't help because my mother was the same. You know, she made, she would make remarks, so I see, you know, Uncle John or whatever. So my brother and I both thought that that was normal. Plus, at times, we would know things ahead of time. Oh, there would be a train crash. The next day, there's a train crash. We really didn't make much sense out of it. Mm-hmm. So it was at the age of seven when I predicted my dad's untimely death. Oh, geez. And about three weeks later, yeah, he passed away unexpectedly of a stroke. He was in great shape. He had just had a medical. Uh, he And it's funny because my dad's side, they tend to be Mensa members, whereas my mom's side, they tend to be artistic and uh, psychics. And I remember about, about uh, a couple weeks after his passing, my grandmother, who was also psychic we were talking to her. it's the first time i'd seen an aura and my brother and i both relayed you know we'd been given this impression that he was going to you know pass early on and that's when she said it was just god's way of preparing you so you know going forward then i began to understand that not everybody would see auras or not everybody would go shopping with their parents and see a dead person you know following a stranger or you would be given insights about upcoming events you know up until that point i thought it was all normal so it was genetic, no doubt. You got it from your mother. And uh, how did you interact with other students in school when you had this gift and they did not? Boy, George, you've got to be psychic because I was just thinking about awkward teenage moments at that point in time. <laughs> um, <laughs> truth be. Well, you know, it's funny because I can recall one instance when uh, the heartthrob, of course, it has to be the heartthrob's father, had just passed. It was in ninth grade. It was in uh, history class. And I remember that the teacher had called on me. Now, up until that point, I didn't really discuss my private business because back then you really didn't discuss the paranormal as much as it is today. Right. And, you know, it was so awkward. But uh, I remember his father coming up to me and trying to get my attention. And when the teacher called on, my, uh, called on me, I inadvertently said, oh, you know, Paul's father is here. And I'm like, oh, my God. And Paul, of course, is sitting to, you know, uh, chairs over. Everybody looked at me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, so a little awkward. Um and then just going forward, I'll tell you, I did use my, and I have used my psychic abilities in business um, as well as uh, on job uh, interviews, you know, years ago. So it does have a purpose in many different ways, myriad of different ways, in fact. When this situation occurred with your father, did you tell him that you had this, this vision that something was going to happen to him, or did you just keep it between you and your brother? What happened? Well, funny, neither my brother nor myself, he's 11 months younger, and neither one of us discussed this issue. I mean, I would wake up, I'd have to dream. I was in second grade, my brother was in first, 
you know, I'd go to bed, I'd be walking down the stairs. I kept seeing my father, oddly enough, laid out in a blue casket. Oh, my God. And, yeah, it was pretty weird. And I remember the night before my father died, he said, give Dad a kiss. You never know, I might not be here. So looking back now, I think he probably had some sort of inclination that, you know, God was calling him home. And then it wasn't until, like I said, about a week after when my brother and I we were talking about it, and both of us had had the exact same vision, you know, that our father was laid out in a casket. That's how we received the information. But what was really strange, we never went to the service, and we learned later on that my mother had decided to bury my father in a blue casket to match his blue eyes. Wow. Now, why didn't you so, go to the service? Because you were just too small? Yeah, I think, you know, at six and seven, um, it was just too much. So my mother decided to keep us, you know, at home. In your opinion, at this point, with all this experience that you've had now, what would you say death is? You know, that's a great question. It's uh, it's just a simple transition. You know, our spirit bodies are, are true inner being. I tell people, if you look at your physical body, it's like a pair of clothes. So death really is nothing more than a transition back home. You know, our earthly experience is to learn. It's an educational opportunity. Um, it's an opportunity to better yourself. Uh, you know what, I, I, I have learned that, you know, the older you get, the more you think about death and dying. Uh, you don't think much about it when you're 20. Uh, you, you start thinking a little bit about it when you're 40. Then when you're 60, you think about it a lot. But I, I think of living almost as a racetrack where, <laughs> you know, when a horse runs in a race, they give you t- the time of the race in quarter miles. So when the horse gets to the first quarter mile, they give you time. The half, the three-quarter, and then the the last stretch, is they always say, is coming home. And that's kind of the way I look at people's lives, that, you know, when you're in your 20s, you're just starting the race and you're getting going. And then here we are. Well, for people who get up in, you know, in age, like a lot of us are, we're, we're on the home stretch. And... Uh, Death appears a little more curious to me when you're on that home stretch because I want to know what it's like. What what am I going to experience when I get to that other side? I mean, do do people who die initially know they're dead? Most people do. Now, I've had a lot of -of out-of-body experiences. I've actually had a near-death experience as well, which we can get into that in just a minute. Sure. Um, but most people typically do when they, you know, release from the body because you can see your body. Um, sometimes it's a little strange. Unless you're sick, sometimes that may be a little bit of a, an impediment to your ability to really understand you've just died, you know, especially if you're in hospital and you see a nurse saying, come this way, come this way. Um, you know, you may be a little confused, but within a few minutes, typically speaking, you realize you've released from the body. And that you're about to, you know, embark on a new journey, whether it's a good journey or a bad journey, you know, that remains to be seen based on, you know, how you lived your life. Are our, you know, past loved ones who have passed on, are they there waiting for us? Uh, usually most often. That's why sometimes when you see people, if they're in hospital and they're getting ready to cross, or you may see somebody, uh, you know, maybe a great aunt who says, you know, Uncle Johnny's been coming around me. And usually there's an indication that there will be a person there most often, there usually is somebody available, so when you do transition, but that's not always the case. Uh, sometimes you may find yourself out of body, especially if you've lived a negative life. You may not have anybody um, you know, near you to take you to the next journey. 
you may be kind of drawn to go into one direction or you may be feeling compelled to go towards the light or go towards, you know, uh, another direction. So if they're there waiting for us, Karen, if they're there waiting for us, is it a moment of glee? I mean, do you feel happy? I, and uh, obviously you haven't died, but I'm, I'm, but I'm asking you these things based on uh, some of the psychic things that you've done in the mediumship. I mean, are you well, excited when you see your loved ones that have passed on? Hopefully if you liked them, definitely. Oh, you know, of course, yeah. You have those relatives, but typically speaking, you're excited. Uh, you feel no pain. You have a broader sense of understanding, deeper sense of understanding. And you usually feel very much at peace and at home. Um, oftentimes, too, animals will come. You know, I'm a big animal lover, so yeah. uh, I want to see all my pets before I see my family and friends, just because I'm an animal lover, I'll see them at some point. And typically speaking, you know, they'll have a big home, you know, type of, of party, a reunion. So, Do you believe in reincarnation? Absolutely. I can tell you that from firsthand experience, from going into a meditation, from my out-of-body experiences, to um, just when you... Here's an example to know if you've had a reincarnation from a certain period of time. When you have a fancy of a certain historical period, like I love the French Impressionists, and I have some of that in my undergrad, uh, undergrad, and I know from having gone into a meditation, I've seen a past life in that period. So um, I definitely believe in that. You know, sometimes when you meet people, too, you feel that you've always known them. Chances are you've known them in a previous lifetime. So without a doubt. This is what confuses me about reincarnation, which I also believe in. Uh, far too many people have had these episodes. You know, the, the little boy who was a pilot in World War II, uh, James Leninger, and, and things like that. Uh, strange things have happened. But does the soul kind of split in two? And by that I mean, if you reincarnate, the assumption is is that the soul or that entity that you are, it's gone. It's gone to the other life, the other human body, and it's starting its new life again. Yet some people have still reported seeing apparitions or seeing that person who has died, even though he or she may have reincarnated already. So does the soul kind of split in two where part of it stays in this state and then the other part goes into the new uh, physical body? Well, I'll tell you, my experience has been from my interactions with people, spirit people that have come back and forth and from my own uh, psychic impressions. Typically speaking, um, most people will wait, whether it's 70 years or 60 years, for a loved one to join them back up in heaven before they reincarnate. So you don't really see a soul split, at least from my experience. Some people may have. I personally don't believe that. I personally believe, typically speaking, your soul's your soul, your one big piece, mm-hmm. um, and that you know you may wait for your brother or your mother or your sister or whatever so that you'll all, you know, group back into life at another, you know, later date. A lot of people ask me that question, and I'll tell you one of the biggest misconceptions that I hear a lot of psychics saying, and I've had examples of this where uh, just recently a woman came in and I said, oh, your son is here, his name is Bob, so on and so forth. And afterwards she told me, well, I went to another psychic. She said that my son uh, isn't here. He already reincarnated. And what had happened, she had said, you know, I'd like to connect with my son. And the psychic wasn't really a medium, so she wasn't able to facilitate uh-huh. that. So she moved so, him on. <laughs> yeah, she actually had a line of malarkey, you yeah. know, to, to put it you know, bluntly. But, uh, yeah, most people typically will wait. And then, you know, everybody groups up, and then they'll decide, oh, we want to go to Vegas. And next lifetime, we want to go here or there or whatever. And then everybody reincarnates. Heaven, hell, do they exist? 
They definitely exist, and I can tell you I've had many travels throughout my lifetime going to various different landscapes, and there's not just one heaven or one hell. You know, it's kind of like real estate location, location, location. You may have several different levels, and, you know, the higher you go, the better it gets, the lower you go, you know, obviously the worse, you know, that it gets, and then you have, you know, everything in between. What does heaven look like to you? Oh, my God. You know, I'll tell you, you can... I always tell people the colors are amazing. They're like cartoon colors. The blues are shades of blues that are not to the blues that we see in this lifetime. Um, the sounds, the sense of calmness, the peacefulness, um, the joy, the happiness, you know, the um, just the overall well-being, uh, the ability to be very creative, to just interact and not have any worries, no pain. Um, you know, food is amazing. Everything is just like on steroids, to put it bluntly. You know, pink is really pink. Flowers are bigger than what you can see here instead of like a rose that may be three inches uh, in size. You may have a rose that's like six inches in size. Jeez. Kind of reminds me of that uh, movie that Robin Williams was in, What Dreams yeah. May Come. Oh, my God. I love that movie. And I loved Robin Williams. Oh, that's a tragedy there. Oh, my God. Oh, isn't it heartbreaking? Yeah. Now, what about hell? What does hell look like? You know, I'll tell you, as a little girl, I used to go out of body, and it was really funny. I would always go to this one place, and I would always see this amazing, what turned out to be a guardian angel, African-American gentleman. He had short hair with little specks of white, very nice, just the kindest grandfather type. And I would see these doors open, and you can see demonic entities. You could see them sewing the fire. Um, you could hear all the cries. You could see people jeez, you know, with their skins being removed. Yeah. Were they reaching out for you? Uh, no, actually, this nice guardian angel used to always say, no, honey, you can't go there. Those kind of, were always his words. So I was always fixated on Kind of blocked you, right? <laughs> exactly. He keeps the good ones from entering and the bad ones from escaping. You know, so it's interesting. I'll tell you, when I've done uh, cleansings, when I've done, like, um, business or home cleansings or whatever, demonic cleansings, always the night before, I start to get attacked in my dreams because we typically all go out of body. And one of the uh, last attacks that I had was really funny. I was on a cliff and I'm looking over kind of like a canyon and somebody pushed me. So I'm falling, free falling on my back. I'm looking up at the sky and to my right and left, I'm seeing these caverns. And as I'm going down, I'm seeing the demonic energies getting worse and worse. You know, the, the, um, demonic entities in each, you know, uh, cavern, and I could feel very negative energy. And then suddenly I remember saying, you know, I believe in God, you know, I throw myself God's white light, and I was bounced back up. But it's interesting how they'll try to harass you, even in your out-of-body dreams when you do this type of work. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.